Hey, we're in a new series right now. It's called Joy in Chains. It's on the book of Philippians, and we're in chapter two today. And uh, I called this, I named this Joy in Unity, and I want to talk about that today. And actually today, I'm tie, tying this sermon in with our thanks giving. Say that with me. Thanks giving offering. It's not Thanksgiving. It's thanks giving. It's the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, if you're new to Heart of the City Church, if you've never been here, never been part of Thanksgiving offering, it is definitely one of our highlights of the year where we can make a difference. You're going to hear that kind of come through me today in the two areas, the 2020 vision near and far, the two organizations that we're going to be given. A hundred percent of this offering goes out of heart of the city church. So I can pretty much preach on it because none of it stays here. And I'm excited to do that. Psalms 133.1 says, behold, how good and how pleasant. Everyone say pleasant. Say this with me. Sweet. That's what that word kind of means in Hebrew, sweet. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The power of unity, the clarity of unity, how unity is so attractive in this day and time. So I'm tying in uh, uh, Philippians 2 with unity today. So I want to pray and dive right in. Amen? Father, thank you. Ask that you bless this time God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Father, you would just deposit your word in our heart. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of your mouth. And I pray, God, that you would do that today. You would just move in here by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for your presence and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We have an old saying, word alone, you dry up. Spirit alone, you blow up. Word and spirit, you grow up. And that's what we're all about here, both. Radical middle. The second missionary trip of Paul, he traveled to a place called Philippi. And uh, well, that's where it all began with this book of Philippians, I believe. And uh, he spent about three months there in this town, uh, this area called Philippi. The reason why he showed up in Philippi was because he had a vision. And I want to read that vision today so you get a feel for how did Philippi come about? How did the book of Philippians come about? It's one of the four prison books. The four prison books is Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and uh, Philippians. And the last one that he wrote was Philippians in Rome around 61, 62 uh, AD. And so I don't know about you, but in jail, I'm not thinking too much about writing the Bible. But that's exactly what, yeah, only a few of you would know what that felt like. But anyway, Logan knows. <laughs> I love you, Logan. I didn't mean to. I'm with you, brother. I've, I've been there. The pastor's been in jail before? Wow. Yeah. I have to say that I have. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Everyone say BC. That was before Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me read the vision to you. If you would turn with me to, to Acts 16, 9 through 12, I want you to see how this Philippi Philippians came about. It says this, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Everyone say vision. vision. If you don't believe in visions, too late. 
They happen. We need more of them. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to what? Preach the gospel to them. Paul's very intentional about how he lived his life. Therefore, selling from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in the city for some days, they think for about three months. Paul on the Sabbath, it was customary to go and pray, and, and he was out to do that, and he ran into these ladies and began to have a conversation. Inside of those ladies, this group that he began to talk with was this lady named Lydia, and I, I just want to let you know how intentional he lived his life. He's there because of a vision, and all of a sudden he's talking to ladies, this business lady, a seller of purple, her name was Lydia. Her heart is opened to Jesus Christ, and in that very moment, her whole household is baptized. He's very intentional in how he lives his life. I don't think he knew in the vision he was going to meet Lydia, but he just lived that way. And it wasn't just about the Sabbath and you know, leading Lydia to the Lord and, and uh, in the temple. Look where, where else he has encounters. Paul and Silas finds themselves in jail. They were going to go pray, and on their way, they run into a, a young lady who was a witch. They cast a demon out of her. Uh, her owners don't like that. Anyway, to make a long story even longer, all of a sudden, they find themselves beaten with rods, thrown into the inner prison, feet locked down and they began to sing hymns and, and praise God and, and the foundation of the prison was shaken. All the doors were loosed, opened. And why is that so powerful? Because the, his next encounter in Philippi, in Philippi, look what happens right here. It says this, and the keeper of the prisoner, the keeper of the prisoner, awakening from sleep, seeing the prison doors open. This is in verse 27. Supposing the prisoners that fell, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. This guy's getting ready to commit suicide. But Paul calls out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We are all here. And then he called for the light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. I love this. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How cool is that? If people ask you that, you better give them an answer. Because God's opened their heart. Just like Lydia, he had opened the heart of this jailer. And uh, so, they, so uh, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Jail's bad enough. Inner prison's terrible. Locked with your feet, you know, shackled down. But they was also beaten with rods. And that's why he's cleaning out the stripes. And immediately he and all of his household was, family was baptized. You have one family getting water baptized, Lydia. And now you've got this jailer, keeper of the jail. The whole family being water baptized. Now when he had, had brought them into the house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced having believed in God and his household. Why did I share all that? Because we're in the book of Philippians. Well, it shows you how he got to Philippi, but it also shows you how Paul lived his life. Listen to me, church. 
In the vision, I'm sure he didn't see Lydia. He didn't see beaten with rods. He didn't see being in imprisonment. But this is how Paul lived. He lived intentional. Guess what he did to Lydia? He led her to Jesus. Guess what he did with the jailer? Led him to Jesus, the whole household. How many of you know, honestly, that's how we're to live our lives? Three of you. That's how we're to live our lives. We really are. I was telling my wife, I met, I think, a new friend in the gym this week, and his name was George, and maybe he'll hear this one day, and he was from Hungary, and, and I could just tell that God was doing something, I believe, uh, with this relationship with this dude from Hungary. That's, what I, that's how I want to live my life, to build these relationships, so hopefully I can live a life, I live a life of light and salt in order to lead people to Jesus Christ. That's exactly what happens. Um, the the, the, the book of Philippians is the last book that Paul wrote in prison. And now we're going to jump right into that because I'm going to tie this in with the Thanksgiving offering, which is going to take place at the end of this today. Um, I, I will also share with you, over the last two weeks, we've showed videos, open arms video and uh, the other video uh, from, from, our, from our family, the Starks there in South Sudan. And they've been very, very beautiful, very, very, very powerful uh, birthing hope. And so this is no surprise that what we're doing. We, we do this every year. If you would turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, this is the book that we're reading together. And this was a chapter uh, this past week we're all reading hopefully together. And it says in Philippians 2, 1 through 2, listen to this today. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, listen to this real close, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Listen to those four areas. Can somebody say unity? Unity. The unity of joy, the power of joy, joy, I tell you what, when the heart of City Church comes together and we're unified in different areas, I tell you what, if it's, a, if it's a vision of God, we can be almost unstoppable being unified together in unity, kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. get a lot of feedback from Seahawk fans. You know, all I got to do is, if I ever want to get feedback from church, all I got to do is mention the Steelers here at Heart of the City Church. Wow. <clears throat> Nine and oh. <clears throat> Look at this, being like-minded. Say that with me, like-minded. Having same love, just listen to the spirit of this, being of one accord, which means like-minded, and of one mind. I mean, Paul is, he's hitting something home here about us walking in unity. When the heart of the city church comes together, like we're believing 1010 in 2020, 1,010 people coming to know Jesus Christ in 2020, will that happen? I don't know, but we're believing for that. We've seen hundreds come to know Christ already this year, and it's powerful when we come together in unity. When, when we come together unified for single moms outreach, watch out. 
Many lives are touched. Many lives are changed. Uh, with our back to school, the school that we have adopted, when we come unified together, there's power in unity. Like my wife mentioned a while ago, heart reach joined with turkeys and more, and they raised over $50,000, bought 1,700 turkeys along with uh, uh, gift certificates. 638 was given out Thursday. It was awesome to put those turkeys in there. And we just didn't give them some celery that they didn't want. They got, a, they got a card that they could go buy whatever they want to with their turkeys. Come on. If they want Snicker bars, they can buy Snicker bars. Whatever. Not just celery. Some people don't like stuffing. Or fruitcake, right? Fruitcake. Who came up with fruitcake? My grandmother used to make that every year. It's like, what is in this? Right? They can buy what they want. But it was so, I was so proud of Father's Market and Heart Reach. And uh, we met the lady who, who leads that charge of turkeys or more. Gosh, to see the, the power of unity and what was taking place there. There was an old man who had many, many sons. And the sons got offended growing up. And they fell to the wayside. And, the, you know, the dad's heart was broken. And he gathered all these sticks up in a bundle and he gathered all of his sons together and, and handed them a bundle and says, I, I want you each to try to break this bundle of sticks. And none of them could. But then all he had to do was take one stick out at a time and it was easily, boop, cracked. You know, Ephesians, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes talks about a cord of three is not easily broken. When we're walking in unity, church, why do you say all that today? Because when we walk in unity with this thanksgiving offering and where it's going, which I think if you're new or, or, or you haven't seen really these two ministries, I hope that uh, uh, some of the things I share today will bless your heart so that you understand more so the, the power that's in these two ministries. I, uh, my wife asked me a a couple of weeks ago, hey, are you thinking about, praying about what we're going to give, which we do this. I don't know how other husbands and wives do it, but we talk about it. She says, have you thought about, prayed about uh, what we're going to give for the thanksgiving offering? And I, at that point, I really, I, maybe I said I thought about it. And while I was in Kentucky, I texted her and I said, this is what I'm thinking. I gave her the number and then I gave her another option, two things that I felt in my heart. And my first option was exactly what she was thinking. And man, when you get a husband and wife on the same page, it really, right? It really is exciting. I'm like, yes, yes. I, I don't even have to think about it again. Bam, there it is. The power of unity. I'd like to tie this message into that today. We have a vision here called 2020. Not, not the year 2020, 2020 vision. Like, for example, I got good 2020 vision like this right here, but whenever I start getting close up, I have to do this right here. And when I look through these, I get 2020 vision. And then when I look over the top of them and look at you, I got 2020 vision. But when it's like this, it's, it's not feeling 2020. <laughs> I say that, Heart of the City Church, we want to see clearly near and far. We want to reach people near. We're a city church. We're believing for a tithe of our city at Heart of the City Church. We're believing to reach the nations out of here. And we're doing that to some great degree. It's called the Great Commission. And we work better when we work together. Once again, look at the power of unity. Same mind, same love, one accord, one mind. If a couple of you say, 
uh, we're going to give to birthing hope or open arms. That's wonderful. Do that. But can you imagine the power and the unity of hundreds of people giving towards these two ministries and the impact it can have? That's what I'm talking about, unity today. In one accord, one mind. Let me go on uh, reading a little more in uh, uh, Philippians 3, verses 3, I'm sorry, 2, verses 3 through 4. It says this, let nothing be done through selfish. Say that with me, selfish. How many ever deal with selfishness other than me? Don't lie in church, okay? Help me, go with me. If you've ever dealt with selfishness, raise your hand. Wonderful. Wendell Smith, you know, he really spoke to, he's a wonderful man of God, went on to be with the Lord. But I remember him talking about selfishness, how, you know, that would creep in and he would just go to his, and he dressed, man. That guy was G'd up from the feet up. And he'd go to his, he'd go to his, his, his closet and he'd just pull out a suit and give a suit away or what have you. One way to deal with selfishness in our heart is giving, giving away, is being, is being generous. My wife coined a phrase, let generosity be the boss of me. And that's how we want to live our lives at Heart of the City Church. Let it be the boss. Not, not selfishness, but generosity. It goes on to say, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. And look at the next verse. Look at this real good. It goes really well with what we're doing today. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Now, how many of you know that we're reading Philippians together as a church? You got your little card. It's in my, it's in my actually my grandson's Bible that I'm reading through and writing every day. We're reading Philippians together, but that's good. That's, that's a good thing. But can I tell you what's, more powerful, I'm going to make up a word right now, gooder. Wow. You know what's more gooder than us reading the Bible, reading Philippians together? You know what's better? You know what's gooder? You know what's greater than that? Is we actually do what Philippians tells us to do. When, when you actually step out of the boat and do, put it to action, what the Bible tells us, I tell you, that takes it to a whole nother level. Faith is made up of three components. Let me, let me get my other finger up. Three components. The first component of faith is confession. Say that with me, confession. It's a powerful thing. Man, our songs is full of confession. We read the word. We confess Jesus is Lord. He's king of our life. We have a great confession. It's a very powerful aspect of faith. We confess. I believe in the word of God. I believe by his stripes I'm healed. I believe that he's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisha, Jehovah Rahi. I believe these things, man. His unfailing, I confess, I confess, I confess. That's one aspect of faith. It's not the totality of faith. If all you do is confess, I don't think that's good enough. And then you have the, the second element of faith, and that's believe. We believe. We confess that he's Lord. We believe in our heart. Man, we believe he's good all the time. We believe that he desires none should perish. We believe that he's the healer. We believe in the word of God. It's the highest authority on the face of the earth. We believe these things. We believe in the water baptism. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe. But that's one element. Element number two. We confess and we believe and that's powerful. 
But I'm going to tell you what, you can never leave out the third element of faith, and that's action. You believe, you confess, and then you act upon the word of God. Moses exited. Abraham obeyed. Noah built. Ruth followed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's what they didn't do. They wouldn't bow, and they were in unity. Nahum, what did he do? He dipped seven times. All action. Jesus, what did he do? He died. It wasn't enough just to believe. It wasn't just enough to confess. How many know devils believe? You believe, you confess, but you act upon it. So when we act upon what we read, Philippians, I tell you what, that's the totality of your faith. You're going to see your faith. That's kind of like my grandson. It reminds me of, boo, my grandson. We do that around our grandson. Action. Church, we can take action today. On those two videos you watched over the last two weeks, we can take action with these two ministries. Let each of you look not out only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let me tell you about the two interests that we're looking into today. The first interest is we can impact South Sudan, the soil of South Sudan. We can impact the souls of South Sudan without your feet ever being on the soil of South Sudan. And maybe you will one day. I hope you go. I hope you're able. You may or you may not. I remember my son when he was a little boy. He was like, Daddy, I don't want to go to Africa. I said, just a little guy. I mean, he's like five years. I don't want to go to Africa. Okay. Guess what the first nation he went to kind of like sent out of here. It wasn't the first nation he ever went to, but I tell you what, one of the first... Mission, wasn't one of the first missionary nations that you went to? Where was it? Ethiopia. Guess what nation that's in? Africa. Pretty cool, huh? We can impact South Sudan through birthing hope. And you may never, ever even go to South Sudan. It's one of the 1040 windows. I'm going to talk about 1040 window in just a minute. It's so important that, listen to me, church, that you know what the 1040 window is. The other one is birthing hope, Bur- well, which is part of Jason and, and Jamie, so forth and so on. But the other one that I, we're going to be talking about today also, the second, the second interest of others is open arms. You heard about that a couple of weeks ago. Open arms is all about hel- us pouring in helping unborn babies. Those are the two interests that we can really impact uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, with birthing hope, 1040 window. Jason, Jason and Jamie Stark, they're out of this church. They're in South Sudan with their daughters. One of their daughters was here last night. They have two other daughters with them. Um, I tell you what, only a very, listen to this, only a very, very, very small percentage of all the monies that come out of the Big C Church ever make it to the 1040 window of the unreached. You're going to see a video here in just a few minutes about that. That's so important. Let me read something about the Stark family that didn't make it into their video. Let me read this. Just listen to this right now. Stark family is currently focused on planting South Sudan's first 24-7 house of prayer called Bethel. Bethel is a house of prayer for nations, focusing on training sons and daughters to be the church of and immersing them in prayer, worship, community, discipleship. South Sudan is a very, very new country, and it's very, very, very unchurched, and it is part of the 1040 window. 
They hope to have a full-time discipleship program up and running in 2021, and the goal of the program is to raise up indigenous missionaries who will take part in reaching the unreached in South Sudan. Let me talk to you about the 1040 window just for a minute. Say that with me, 1040. 1040. What is a 1040 window? It's like a band of nations, part in the Eastern Hemisphere and part in Europe and Africa, and it's north of the equator between the degrees of 10 and 40 degrees. So it's this area that the social climate, the social economic climate is very, very bad, typically. Very, very poor, hurting people, usually full of Hindus, Muslim, um, Buddhists, so forth and so on. Very, very unreached. The most unreached areas of our entire planet is within the 1040 window. But the least amount, listen, the least amount of money for anything out of the church goes there. And I go, we can make a difference with that. We can make a difference in the 1040 window. I'm going to show you a video right now. Listen to it. I think it's very intriguing. It will give you knowledge, empower you to understand the, 24, uh, the 1040 window. If you'll play that right now. Thank you. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right, the vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? 
Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep. 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. $5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than gets sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? What are we gonna do to change that? 1% of all the finances that come out of the church goes to the 1040 window. We have three different areas of Heart of the City Church. This is, this is free on the side note. New Covenant is in Heart of the City Church. They're all about the 1040 window. We have missionaries, Alessandra and Marcia, up in way, help me say the name. Say it real loud. Tajikistan. Thank you. And then we have this ministry that we're reaching out to today, Birthing Hope. How many of you know Jason and Jamie Stark? Gosh, I wish you all knew them because they're, they, they're out of here and their daughter was here last night. They're wonderful people. So that's one ministry. Let me go to the other one. Everyone say open arms. Open arms is all about babies. The most vulnerable that don't have a voice but will have a voice if we get involved. They can have a voice if people stand up for them. I'm not just about life in the womb. I'm about life from the womb to the tomb. For the elderly, all ages. Why? Because Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. He's the alpha and the omega of my faith. I don't call the day. My days are numbered by him, not by man. Well, babies in the womb, I mean, are they, what, you know, is that very impactful? I mean, they're in the womb, J.O.? Absolutely. Do you know the first person to ever respond to Jesus, who that was? John the Baptist. Where was John the Baptist at? In the womb. When Elizabeth went and visited Mary, and Mary heard about, uh, when Elizabeth heard about Jesus, about Mary's carrying Jesus, guess what John the Baptist did? I don't know what it looked like in the womb, but he leaped. Right? Babies 
are alive. Babies are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Babies. Put it like this. Jeremiah says this. God told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Are you following me? So it's before the womb. We can, listen, we can make a difference in the unborn child and those who live where it says they will hear no gospel, no Bible, no church. We can make a difference to those who are not reborn and don't have a very good chance of it, which the Bible says are the lost, which Jesus came to seek and save, that which was lost. And he raised up 12 search and rescuers to do the same thing. And today, we're to be those search and rescuers doing the same thing. And we can do that. And some of us won't end up in South Sudan or even other nations, but we can still be impactful on those soils. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Amen.